Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow. It's free, you know. If I think about our tennis club and our county tennis association, I don't think they would exist without the incredible contribution that volunteers make. Volunteers who give their time and their energy to keep the wheels turning on what we know is an amazing sport that can make an amazing difference to people's lives. Perhaps volunteers don't always get the praise that they deserve, but I really believe they should. And I hope this episode will shine a light on what an amazing job the volunteers within British Tennis do. So volunteer chairs, treasurers, safeguarding officers, maintenance managers, tennis leaders, event organisers, website administrators, social posters. This one is for you. Joining me to talk all about the contributions that volunteers make and the challenges they face are two very well qualified guests. Abby Lynch is Head of Clubs, Parks, Counties and Volunteers at the LTA. And Simon Spalter, who is the founder and admin of the thriving Tennis Volunteer Community Facebook group, which has over 1,500 members and is a hotbed of discussions about topics relevant to tennis volunteers. If you're not on it, you must take a look. So welcome to the show, Abby, and welcome to the show, Simon. Thank you very much, Rob, and it's great to be with you today. Likewise. Nice to see everyone. Come on now. A question for both of you to start. Let's get straight to the heart of this matter. Um, Abby, how important are volunteers to the game of tennis in Britain? Well, as you sort of alluded to, Rob, in your introduction, I think we would struggle to, to do everything we do in tennis without volunteers. I think there are about six million volunteers getting involved in sport in England. And we're very lucky to have a good a good proportion of those in tennis. So if I think of the 28,000 volunteers on our database working in clubs and venues across the country, I think if we didn't have those people doing those roles for free, then tennis would certainly increase in terms of running costs. So we, we would struggle, definitely. Yeah. Simon, anything to add on that? Uh, no, I, I never realised quite the extent of our number of volunteers there were in the country and because there's a mixture within clubs and venues of some professional administrators but the majority are run by volunteers so if you like British tennis is run by volunteers you know the LTA has a certain number of staff but they can only do so much so we do rely on volunteers. It's so true. We know what an amazing impact that sport of all kinds has on young people, on on people who aren't so young. Yet, you know, they wouldn't happen without volunteers. And if we are going to, if we're going to, you know, there's been a decline in, in some activities with certain generations and stuff. If we're going to really keep people staying fit, staying healthy and getting all those benefits, then volunteers are going to have to keep playing an amazing part in that. Um, I mean, I, th I think we've kind of touched on it. Clubs and venues around the country, they just would not exist without volunteers, would they? No, and I think if you think about all the clubs we've got in the tennis network, and we should stipulate that's tennis in Britain, not just in, in England, we've yeah. got two and a half, three thousand clubs. 
So, and 80% of those have got seven or less courts. So they really are small tennis clubs that don't have the sort of income levels to warrant paying a manager. So you will have committee members that are literally doing everything, whether that's sort of having to maintain the courts, doing all the bookings, managing the, the online booking system, processing memberships, running the social media account, uh, doing max fixtures, organising the relationship with the coach. It's just endless. And all of those little things, whilst they, it doesn't sound a lot in isolation, you add it all up, clubs really are small sort of medium-sized businesses. Um, and that's the challenge, I think. You've got to try and get people to volunteer their time but it's actually a little bit like work as well so it's just getting a balance so much hard work goes into the running of a tennis club and this is what championing that effort is about today is celebrating that because often you know you're giving your time for free and you're not always getting thanks for it and and this brings me on to to you could sell simon I, you know establishing the 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 tennis volunteer community group on facebook is that something that that, that drove you to establish that group i became chairman of my club which is radless in hertfordshire and had a lot to do at the club in the the club was successful had been around for many many years but was to be fair drifting a little bit and needed quite a lot of work done on it across the board whether we're talking the courts the coaching structure the programs the clubhouse, uh, the IT, entry systems, every, everything needed some work done in it. And I didn't really have anywhere to go to get support. And the OTA was there, the relationship that we had had for whatever reason, no real reason, with the OTA and the OTA with us had drifted as much as the club had been drifting for many a year. And probably not unique either. We were sort of probably a little bit off the radar and I had nowhere to go. So after, you know, by coincidence, a discussion that I had with the Hertfordshire uh, LTA, I ended up then having a meeting with Abby, obviously, who's with us today. And we got to know each other, chatted about things. And if you like, a couple of years later, we ended up with this group and what it offers and what it does is it allows me as a chairman that if I ever had a question to go onto the group and uh, get an answer, get numerous answers and get answers quickly as well. So if I put a post on thinking of employing somebody part time in my office, but really not sure how to do it, what are the lookouts and what should I be concerned about or not concerned about? I would probably get five or six replies probably within two or three hours and a conversation would start and then a, a debate would start and then I'd see the, the virtues of it. You know, just to add at this point, everyone, this really does happen. I mean, I've been on there this morning and already some of those things that Simon listed as the things that concern you, like resurfacing, like floodlights, like, are you going to close the club for the weather or do you need a risk assessment? You know, all these things have been asked this morning. So the great thing about this is that volunteers, you know, you're giving your time, but you haven't always got lots of time. So when you give your time, you want to do that in the most efficient way. So if you've got a question, is it about LED floodlights? Is it about resurfacing? Is it about venue registration, coach relationships? Is it about, would you believe, tennis ball vending machines, which was one that I noticed on there? You know, these questions are being asked 
and there are answers come in. I mean, Simon, it's clearly flourishing. What makes you happiest about the group? I think the fact of the engagement, and it's not just having a group where people have joined a group, it's a group where people are active, actively engaging on a regular basis. So they actually, I can see that they're getting benefit from it. And the other key point is, because people are volunteers, I would say that by speaking to other volunteers, they feel they're not in it by themselves. They're not, and they're actually, there are many people out there across the country who are in exactly the same situation as they are, and they feel supported uh, naturally as well. And from my perspective as well, it actually has improved the relationship, and Abby will, like, I'm sure, be pleased to hear this, of many clubs and venues with the LTA, because the way that we, we're independent of the LTA, the group, but we allow the sort of LTA will sort of feed information because they occasionally they monitor what's going on in the group and they will feed pieces of information into us that maybe it will help the group. And it's improved that entire communication. So the LTA are now learning from the group, the group are learning from the LTA. And if you like, volunteers are able to solve their own problems at a local level by going onto the group, getting the answers, and they're, they're not sort of they're not left on their own. It's all everything is much more joined up than it was previously. I think that's a real like. Um, I think the engagement. I mean, the group is alive, people, isn't it? I mean, if you um, if you go to a group and you pose a question and nothing happens, if there's silence then it's a bit like, well, you're not going to do that again. The knowledge that you can you can go in, you can pose a question and you can get answers quickly is just such an amazing thing. And I think that, you know, all those committees, like how many committees up and down the country are talking about the benefits of LED floodlights, you know, the installation costs, the running costs, is it good to play under, all these kind of things. You go onto the group, you ask the question, you get lots of answers. So for any volunteers listening, if you're not on it, do get on it. Rob, if I can just pick up on that, mentioning about the LEDs. So I identified with one other member of the group that there was a lot of debate on LED. And if you like, we as a group can do things very quickly and identified there was a big debate going on. And from an LED perspective, we organized a Q&A about LED within a couple of weeks, where basically members could come on, ask an expert about all the questions about either upgrading or installing LED lighting on the courts. And for, quite frankly, the LTA could have done it and would have done it, but things take a little bit longer. We, we can be very fast on our feet. You know, we don't have the uh, complicated structure of having to sort of jump through any hoops at all if i want to do something we can just do it and 100 sort of over 100 people joined that session and got answers and it's developing from there so you know we're very quick on our feet as a group yeah you you are that speedboat um now abby so volunteer wise um in a former life i was uh, part of the team that launched the football league awards and I think it's fair to say that my my favourite award by far was the, the Volunteer of the Year. Genuinely moving to hear the stories of volunteers and, you know, the amazing contributions they've made to their communities. And, you know, have you got 
any examples where volunteers have made an outstanding contribution in their area, you know, that sort of examples that might just inspire some of our listeners to get stuck in and, and give it a go? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we've got our LTA Tennis Awards and they've been a huge success over the last few years. Um, and we have a young volunteer category in there, as well as the Kathy Sabin Volunteer of the Year category. And the stories that you read, I mean, we get a couple of thousand nominations for the awards every year across all of our venues, coaches, officials, players, etc. And some of the some of the nominations are just phenomenal. People that have literally turned the club around. It was just about to be sort of turned into a car park. And then like, do you know what? I'm going to get involved in this, going to turn it around. And you end up with a thriving, fantastic tennis club, get people that sort of have benefited the game so much like you said as a player you you grow up and people help out get you involved in opportunities and volunteer their time loads of people giving back to their club whether that's running coaching sessions whether that's doing outreach work whether that's just actually trying to grow the membership or get, getting more of a sense of community in the club so there's some incredibly inspiring stories too many to mention but as well as the kind of big ticket stuff where people are like wow outstanding contribution I think sometimes we forget about people that do the day-to-day grind and I think that's equally as important where you've got someone that literally is very reliable does a very important but key job in in the club and we mustn't forget about those people either so I think yeah I think we're incredibly lucky every time we run the awards I'm always astounded at the number of nominations and the quality of nominations and just the fact that people some of the things that people do is just incredible and I guess the the awards the beauty of the awards is like, you know, we hear about the winners. I was watching a video about the winner yesterday and she'd done amazing work. But, you know, clubs decide to put volunteers forward and that volunteer may find out about that. And that's to thank you, isn't it? It's to thank you in its own right that that person has been put forward by a club before it then goes to the county, to the regional, to the national. And so much, I think, is just about that thank you, isn't it? And, you know, sometimes like I'll go down to our club and I'll, I'll see someone dressed a little bit like a ghostbuster and they're spraying the various plants that are getting beyond control. And, and you know, they do these things quietly. They they paint the our chalet, as we call it. They paint that. They do it quietly. People don't know yet. I think just saying thank you is 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 the important thing, isn't it? People it's know it's really that, important. It's really yeah. important. And and I think what we've learned as a governing body is that people don't want the LTA to thank them. They want their they want to be thanked and valued from the, the people that they're working with. So it's really important when you're in a club knowing who's doing what and just literally like you said saying thanks a lot for your help and thanks for doing things or maybe buying them a bottle of wine at Christmas or just that acknowledgement that they're doing something that you're not um, for the benefit of your club so that is really 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 important and I think the other thing to note is it's I don't think people are necessarily looking for thanks I think volunteering is such a uh, an amazing thing to do in terms of getting something back so I think in terms of recruiting new people, it, it's something that's really enriches most people's lives. I volunteer, I've volunteered for probably 20 odd years and it's just something that you do and it's a really nice thing to do and it's very rewarding, isn't it, for an individual? Yeah, that's no, a really good point. I mean, it kind of leads me on, Abby. Um, you know, I was reading an article on how the number of volunteers in charity shops had fallen coming out of the pandemic. You know what? Are the number of volunteers in tennis, are they rising? Are they falling? Where are we at? So I think based on the data we have available, which is venues and clubs linking those that are volunteering to their actual venue, I think we've seen a small increase in the number of people linked to venues. That might just be a technical thing where people have decided to start adding their volunteers because we introduced a volunteer ballot last year. So that might be an incentive. But I think it feels like we've got lots of people volunteering. 
but we might not have lots of new people volunteering or a more diverse group of people volunteering. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge at the minute is I'm not sure many clubs or counties to that extent are thinking about the succession planning. I think people have been doing roles for a long time and we're kind of very reliant on those people. So I think one of the challenges is like, how are we going to get new people into the sport, specifically young people as well? Actually, we've got a lot of tennis leaders, four and a half thousand tennis leaders qualify every year. It's like they're our next generation of volunteers. So I think I don't think we're short of people that want to volunteer. I just think we need to be clear about what the roles are and how people get involved, because if you're not in the system or don't understand it, you're you're not going to know how to get involved in volunteering at a club. It's such a good point. And I think, you know, we see within tennis, don't we, the next gen coming through, your your players coming through and it's often debated. And I mean, the Tennis Leaders is such a brilliant programme. I know at our club, we, you know, this is a programme which is for, I think, 13 to 15 year olds primarily. And it gives them the opportunity to learn the sort of intro to coaching, really. A brilliant, brilliant programme. And we're always very keen to get people on it. But it is that point that often and often it's because I guess, you know, people maybe later in life have a bit more time to be able to give to volunteering. But one for both of you guys, maybe Simon first. How can we inspire the next generation to get involved in, in volunteering within tennis? Well, I think that we need to remind members when they join the club that it's a mem- they are members' clubs in many a case. Yes, there are professional-run clubs, but the majority of clubs are members-run clubs. So the subs that people pay are at, a re- are at a rate which assumes that people, by joining, are also going to be participating and helping, whether it's running a team or helping run a tournament or helping with getting tendering for new courts or whatever it happens to be, that at that early stage, People come along to the club, they join the club. They shouldn't necessarily be spoken to by the coaches. The coaches have a very important role to play, but it's in conjunction with the committee. They should be spoken to by other members, slotted into the club and said, well, this is is what happens here. This is what happens there. If you ever need to have any questions, if you'd ever like to get involved. It's at that very early stage, getting them engaged and, and explain to them how the club runs. So it's no different from any... Uh, voluntary members type situation the clubs need their volunteers and they're only as strong as the volunteers are and you know you know the the regions of the country right now are much much better than the big cities at recruiting and maintaining volunteers in clubs it's a you know in the big cities the closer you get to london manchester birmingham the harder it is because there is a perception that they go along to the clubs and everything should be done for them so there's an important aspect is the, that reminder that these are members clubs. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point, Simon. Abby, how about yourself? Any thoughts on how we get that next gen going? Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with some of the things that Simon was saying there. And I, I think it's slightly broader than that. I think it's, it's up to every type of tennis venue to determine what type of venue they are. And if they are very much a volunteer-led uh, organisation, they've got to... They've then got to build a base of volunteers to help run it. And that shouldn't just be the people that have always been on the committee. They've got to look across the membership, the demographic of the membership, who else should we get involved? If we're a more community-based club, do we have people that actually represent the community on the committee, young people? I think it's looking at what needs to be done and then finding people with the right skill set to actually do some of those roles. 
So I think clubs just need to reflect on, have we always had a committee made up of a treasurer, chair and secretary? Is that still fit for purpose in 2022, 2023? Do we need someone looking after social media? Do we need someone looking after marketing, um, tech? It's, I think it's just reviewing what the club needs and then finding people with those skills and advertising for those types of skills. Um, and I think that's the, the best way to, to move forward and integrate more people into the committee. And, and this is such a good point. I mean, Abby, in a former life, we used to talk about Facebook quite a lot, didn't we? And, yes. and I think that Facebook is a language which I understand. You know, I, I'm coming on 50 next year. I understand Facebook. I understand that algorithm. I can do an OK job. TikTok, it's like, you know, speaking Latin to me. But the next gen, they live, they breathe this. So I think that something like a social media, and of course, there needs to be rules put in place. There needs to be permissions put in place to make sure that you've got everything covered but if you can get that sorted then having a young person on your committee as almost a social media consultant because if we want to attract the next gen of players to our clubs play where your audience is playing and i'm telling you the audience are not necessarily playing in the regional newspapers nowadays well they're not you know they're playing on the social media channel so i think that's just a great example of how we can get hopefully the next gen involved and hopefully we can do a better job as a club as volunteers as a result um yeah great great guidance there guys i mean another one for you abby um to start with one of my roles is as a coach you know i'm a coach i'm a parent i'm a volunteer um but i'm very conscious i get paid you know i get paid for for my role as a coach but there are people on our committee who i think do as many hours perhaps more than i I do, but they do it on a voluntary basis. Um, I think, you know, I'm really lucky we have a, a unified committee, but I'm guessing this must cause tension in some clubs. What do you think is the key to productive and harmonious relationships between coaches and their committees? Big question. And I think quite a pertinent one at the minute, because I think that there is there is actually some tension in clubs between volunteers doing stuff for, for free, coaches that are getting paid. And I think it's really just... Back to the, my previous point that if you're not clear about who you are or what you're trying to achieve as a club, it's very difficult to have a harmonious group of people working together because people have got different agendas. So for me, and Simon's a good example of this at his club, he was very clear with the committee and the coach about this is what we're about. This is our club. This is our purpose. This is our mission. And then everyone was very clear about what role they played. And I don't think you'll get that friction between, well, I volunteer for 10 hours a week and that coach is earning loads of money because the volunteer will be clear that they're volunteering for the right reasons and doing it because they're happy to get involved and that's how the club works. The coach will realise that they're very valued as a professional coach and therefore they deserve to earn a living from what they're trying to do. And then kind of everyone knows the part that they're playing. So for me, that's the crux of the issue. If you're not clear about who you are and what you're trying to do, you will get tension between different different sections of the, of the club, paid, unpaid, volunteer, coach, etc. Yeah clear about who we are and what we're trying to do i think that, that's so important simon it's clearly something you've got experience in any anything to add in terms of you know making sure we have harmonious relationships between coaches and co committees wherever possible so one of the first things i did when i became chairman was brought the coaches not to join the committee but brought them into all committee meetings so they felt part of it because one of the areas of disconnect could be or can be where if you like, a committee changes and decides that the coaching team that's there just doesn't fit anymore and then sort of does away with them. And that can end a coach's sort of 
livelihood. It just doesn't work. That's not the way it should be. It's it's always got to be a, that two-way collaboration. So bringing the coaches and the committees and the members all together as one so that they a coach is respected as being a committee member, sorry, being a professional and fulfilling a role and has to work with the volunteers who are running running the club on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's all, and that strengthens the entire club. If the coach isn't contributing, then there isn't money, for example, to pay for new courts so that the coach can then obviously coach on good courts and have good coaching programs. So it's that two-way collaboration all of the time. And one thing I wanted to add in, which we just from before with reference to our recruiting volunteers is it's, it's the simplification and the de-skilling of it, giving somebody the impression that in fact, you could do this volunteer role for us in the club. It doesn't have to be cumbersome. It could be just half an hour a week. We just need a little bit of input. It's really laying out exactly what the role is, making it very simple to say, could you do this for us? Could you do that for us? And we don't expect any, anything more of that. And if every club had, say, 50 people doing very small amounts of jobs, everything would end up getting done. But a lot of people are very fearful of taking on a volunteer role because they don't think they've got the knowledge or the experience or necessarily the support within the club. So I just want to add that in. So the whole thing is all about bringing people together and making them feel the same part of the team. I said to our coach at Radler, I said, you're on the same side of the desk as us. I want you to be the highest paid coach in Hertfordshire. And he found that totally radical. He found it very strange that I would say such a thing. I said, well, <laughs> if, if you're happy and you're successful, we as a club are going to be successful. So, of course, I want you to be successful. Come on. Love that. You know, when uh, our first, uh, our, our, our eldest child went to primary school for the first time, I sat in one of those little chairs in her assembly room where we were invited in. And above the, the head teacher there was, uh, uh, it was an acronym. It was T-E-A-M. And it was team. And it was together everyone achieves more and i think it's such you know this is what it comes down to if if you can be harmonious if you can work as a team towards your goals towards your objectives then come on that's a buzz and and you do it best when you collaborate and work together so this is an interesting one um abby in your role from a volunteer perspective uh what do you think is the biggest challenge you face okay so i think the biggest challenge for me in my role is probably how we communicate information and make support available and accessible because there is so much that's out there but finding it is quite challenging and that's where I think this community has played a really key role in sort of making people aware of what's there but also not relying on the LTA for every answer because let's be honest we don't have all the answers and actually a lot of the answers are out there in clubs because clubs have found their own solutions so that's the biggest challenge for me is how do we make sure that we keep this kind of free flow of information going back and forth where everyone feels like they're getting information very quickly, um, good information as well. Um, so, yeah, so it's sort of a challenge, but it's something I feel that we're getting better at, but we need to do more of the same. We can't just think, oh, that's it now. There's a Facebook group and problem solved. I think it's something we're going to have to keep working at. It's, it's a great one, though, isn't it? Because it comes back to play where your audience is playing. And, you know, you can put information out in so many different ways. But if people are spending a lot of time on Facebook, and I'm guessing a lot of our volunteers within the British tennis world do, and they can find information quickly, they can ask questions quickly, then, yeah, it's a positive thing, isn't it? It's a positive thing. And I think it's great to see the LTA collaborating in that way 
with with volunteers. Um, Simon, it brings me on to this question. You know, what's next for the tennis volunteer group, and and where would you like to be by the end of twenty twenty three? Okay, so first of all, I think it's very important to say that the LTA has its role within British tennis and huge amount of varied roles. And we as volunteers shouldn't always rely on the LTA to do everything for us, clubs and venues. You know, we do have to do things for ourselves and volunteers are happy to do that, And but with the LTA support. So, you know, the LTA has great resource and is supportive of us. And from my perspective, that's what they should be doing. They shouldn't be actually doing it, if you like. We should be doing it on a, it's because it's our sport. It's us who want to play tennis and enjoy playing tennis and paddle, by the way, because now we're part of paddle as well. So that's another yeah. aspect. So it's, you know, it's our passion. So people, you know, my hobby, I shouldn't be relying on people to make my hobby happen. So that's one aspect, but what I've identified about the group is that not everybody's on Facebook and having run regular question answer sessions where we've brought people from the LTA in, we've got had experts on maintenance, on LED lighting, for example, on safeguarding. I've identified that a lot of people who just want to contact each other. So we now have quite a large number of members who are just on email, who will email questions and ask for answers. So we sometimes go via the group to get the answers or just peer-to-peer within people but it's expanding that exposure throughout the country you know we've got our floodlight group that I mentioned we're we've also got our parent group which is supporting uh which I do with uh my friend Kay Gilbert where we are basically helping tennis parents either who play tennis or who don't navigate their way through the challenges of uh helping their child enjoy competitive tennis so we have that group that we're running as well and we're looking potentially to set up a group next year to support disability tennis as well and so it it does more of the same thing but also uh, added value and helping people even more but most importantly listening to what the members want you know at the end of the day yes I'm sort of I suppose at the helm of the group but I'm reactive to whatever the members of the group and what the members within the community want. So if they want something, I'm constantly asking, what do you want? How do you want it to be done? And then we can react to you and help you. Do you know, I must tell you about the tennis parents group because uh, I'm a big fan of that one as well. And it's something I found very useful in my role as a tennis parent to three uh, young tennis players. But uh, this morning, so I went to a tournament in uh, an indoor tennis centre with our Stanley a couple of months ago. And I thought to myself, it's going to be freezing. So I wore so many layers of thermals. I was preparing myself for sort of Antarctic temperatures. And then we got there. It was roasting. And I was like, like I was in a sauna. So then I took our Ned to another indoor tournament about three weeks later. And I thought to myself, well, it was boiling last time. I may as well wear my shorts. So I got there. It was absolutely freezing. Now, tomorrow we are at an indoor tennis centre I have not been to before. So I thought to myself, I will go on to the tennis parents community and ask, ask whether it is something where I need to be wearing my thermals or not. And I know I would get answers. So, yeah, it is. A, it's another highly recommended group. Um, we spoke to Kay actually on the podcast. And yeah, if there's tennis parents um, listening, do check out the tennis parents group on uh, on Facebook, too. 
Abby, um, what would your message be to the tennis volunteers of Britain? Well, this is a tricky one, actually, because all of our sort of insight on volunteers and what they want, um, I think I mentioned it earlier, is they absolutely don't want the LTA to thank them. So yeah. I don't think thank you would be my my message. I think probably it would be a case of, um, well, firstly, join the community for a start because you're going to get a load more support from that. And just carry on being amazing and doing amazing things and supporting supporting tennis because without you guys, um, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Um, and I'd also encourage anyone who's not volunteering to think about how they might want to get involved because there are a ton of opportunities out there. Um, so do ask at your club and just say, put your hand up and say, how can I help? Because often people want to get involved, but they're not going to go after people and ask them to help. You need to probably raise your hand and say, actually, let me get involved. So be curious about what opportunities are out there and ask, ask to get involved. If you don't know where to ask, um, contact the LTA and ask, because we can put you in touch with clubs that might be looking for volunteers. Come on. And I think, you know, just in terms of my role as a coach, who's paid for what he's doing as a parent, as a, as a volunteer too, but just think about all the journeys, all the lives that have been changed through tennis. And yes, you know, the Andy Murrays and the Emma Raducanu's of this world, the volunteers will absolutely have played a part in their journey to the very top. But tennis makes lives better. Tennis keeps you fit. It keeps you healthy. It gives you life lessons. It teaches you how to be resilient, how to be persistent, how to work as a team, how to accept the fact that life is a roller coaster. And these journeys in tennis would not begin without volunteers. So a massive thanks. I'm allowed to say it, I think, to the volunteers <laughs> out there, but I understand what you're saying, Abby. But, yeah, it's uh, true. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a great point, Rob. And if I, it's a bit like when they, they ask you, who's that teacher that influenced your life? I bet everyone that's played tennis can name a volunteer that's massively helped them. So my big shout out would be to Brian Wormsley because he, as an old chair of my tennis club, was absolutely phenomenal. So I think, you know, think about those people that have helped shape your life. And, and yeah, and that might inspire you to volunteer yourself. You're changing lives for the better, volunteers. That's the amazing thing. And it's been it's been so, so good to chat to you both. I mean, thank you so much for your time in terms of coming on and talking about volunteers, championing volunteers and the, the amazing work that they do. I mean, a question, though, that we ask, you know, a lot of time on the podcast to finish um and simon first you know if you could go for a drink with anyone alive or dead who would it be and why so i thought about this one very carefully and i'm going to come come up with something which is slightly controversial but i thought this one i could just prove it because you've given me the opportunity to meet this person so i'd like to meet god because then i could finally prove to everybody that god does exist Come on. I mean, there's there's no there's no messing around there. They, you've got a clear objective. You've set out the objective and you're going to see what the result is. Yeah. I mean, there's not much more that can be said about that one, is there? Exactly. That's what that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come on. And Abby, how about yourself? Well, I think I've <laughs> started to follow that one. And I'm, I'm going to go with Billie Jean King on the basis that she's pretty epic i've heard her speak a couple of times and i think she'd always be offering incredible advice on whatever topic because she's been such an advocate for change um over the years and especially in tennis and the sport we love so that would be my kind of going for a drink with brilliant so we've got god simon abby and billy jean king i mean what a get together if there's ever one that i would like to join then it's that one thank you guys thank you so so much for your time you know 
just brilliant. Keep up the great work with the tennis volunteer community and all you do to support our volunteers within British Tennis Abbey. And yeah, we'll look forward to catching up again soon. That's all for today, but thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed that, please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes. And we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon.